Hi, this is Sean Benson from Harvest Church in Warrensburg, Missouri. I want to thank you for joining us for this week's podcast. For more resources, log on to harvestwarrensburg.com. Well, this morning we come just to, to merge a couple of, of thoughts together into to one. So uh, before I introduce our topic, I just I really need you guys to tell me again that you love me. Thank you so much. I just, that's great. That's good. And, and I'll just tell you that I'm for you, not against you. Can you just get, so you love me, I'm for you. So that, we, got that, we got that out. No, this morning we're talking about conflict on the one hand. You know, what do we, how do we engage in conflict with other human beings? What do we do when we're offended? Anybody ever been offended? A bunch of liars. <laughs> Yeah, we get offended, right? I, I, I have often said that, you know, I've, I've told people, I say, oh, I'm not, I'm not very offendable. You know, and there's certain contexts in which that's, that's true. You know, I, I try to, you know, I don't know, try to get, not, not to get my feathers too ruffled. And, you know, and then I read the definition, the textbook definition of offense. I thought, Lord Jesus, I need help. I'm offended all the time. Like, I just walk in continual offense. I just didn't know it was offense. Go look at the definition. You're welcome. You know? Yeah, what do we do when we're offended by other human beings? We're, we, have to, we have to walk and live with, with other people. We're charged by Christ to do so, right? Uh, it would be a problem if we all became monks and separated ourselves into some cave on the side of a mountain where we never saw people again, though some of us would like to have days where, where we accomplish that. No, we, we, we need each other. We're commissioned by God to, to love one another. We're, we're sharpened in some ways only by being together with other human beings. We're family. What do you do when you're offended by family? Eesh. And then the other is to, to shine a light on, on the topic of gossip. <laughs> oh, how many of you know those two things actually go hand in hand? You know, uh, how many times have you ever had somebody in your life who is offended by somebody that you know, somebody in your sphere of influence, and they've come to you asking for good counsel uh, regarding their offense? That ever happened to anybody? That seems like that's our standard go-to. This is what we do all the time. Uh, but did you know that that was gossip? This is why I had to tell you you love me up front and that I was for you. That's why we got that out of the way. You just have to hold on to that truth as we continue this morning. Did you know that that's, that's gossip? That's actually not kingdom. That's not God's prescription for success. That's not how he's called us to deal with, with our offenses. It's not how he's called us to, 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 to step into uh, his way of, of, of reconciling. And, and oftentimes we, you know, we, we, we justify our behaviors and sometimes we do it with scripture. You ever, you ever use scripture to justify your stuff? You know, we say, well, the, the, the Bible says there's, there's wisdom in a multitude of counselors. Like, yeah, so, so, so it makes sense then. It makes sense that I go to, you know, a bunch of people with this, this offense that I've got uh, against Melvin. It just, it just makes sense because there's, there's wisdom in, in a multitude of counselors. And the problem is uh, that, that we actually do it because we, we don't ultimately want to have a conversation with Melvin. It's like, Melvin, if me, is it okay if I pick on you this morning, Melvin? Yeah, I already have, so I'm already doing it. I'm sorry, I didn't even ask the right person. Barb, can I pick, a, can I pick on Melvin this morning? So, Barb gave me the yes, I'm going for it. Yeah, whether she did or not, we're doing it. So, you know, it, we, we use this, this, this 
this apprehension that we've got, this supposed wisdom, like, well, I'll just, I'll go to a couple of other people, I'll bring them in a council, I'll, I'll, I'll talk to them about the situation where my heart was hurt, and, and, and the aim is such that, that we can kind of sort it out on the side without ever having to actually go to our offender. Right? And this sounds great on the outside, but it's worldly and it's sinful. It's actually not the kingdom way. And all we're trying to do is to employ a worldly system of managing conflict in order to avoid having hard conversations with people. They all feel like hard conversations when you've been offended. And in the name of avoiding hard conversations, I say hard conversations, we actually have partnered with the enemy to sow strife, to sow gossip, to sow disunity, division, and slander in our community, or at minimum, our sphere of influence. That's a big deal. That's a big deal. Matthew 18, starting in verse 15, it goes after it like this. It says, if your brother sins, most translations say against you, if your brother, rather your brother sins against you, go and show him his fault in private. If he listens to you, you've won your brother. But if he does not listen to you, take one or two more with you, and by the mouth of two or three witnesses, every fact may be confirmed. If he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church, and if he refuses to listen to even the church, let him be as a Gentile and a tax collector. What I want you to notice this, this is the prescription. This is kingdom right here. This is the outline of how we're supposed to actually deal with our offense. I want you to notice what step number one is. What is step number one? We go immediately to the one who offended us. We go immediately, directly, and as soon as possible. That's immediately. I like redundancy. Gets the point. We go directly to that individual and we deal with our offense. That's what it says. Notice that it doesn't say that we're supposed to find four or five other counselors in the church and go to them and invite them in to speak into this situation, this offense that I've got for this other brother that we all know in our midst, right? Notice that it doesn't actually say that I'm supposed to do that. What am I supposed to do? I'm supposed to go directly to them, it says, in private. That's step number one. This is the protocol of the kingdom, We've been so afraid of having good conversations where we're actually vulnerable and we share what's in our heart that, again, we've partnered with the enemy to, to sow dissension and destruction in our community. What do you reap when you sow dissension and destruction? Dissension and destruction. We talked about that last week, didn't we? <clears throat> Excuse me. Step number one, we go to them directly. Now, you don't necessarily go for every little thing. I, I would say this. If, if every little thing that somebody in your relationships circle is doing offends you, either you got issues, and that's probably what it is, you know, or, or, or they've got issues and you just need to figure out how to not be around them anymore, right? Like, I just, you're not supposed to go to every, I would put the emphasis on the first side of that. It's probably you. Like, if absolutely everything in that circle, like every time a guy opens his mouth, it offends me. There's probably an issue with you. You need to go back to Jesus and figure out what's happening on the inside of you and why in the world this person continues to push your buttons, right? <laughs> Are we doing good? Are you happy that I brought this topic? Yes. Yeah, it's, it's good. You don't go to them on every little thing, but if something is grinding away at you or there's a very clear sin, Scripture compels you 
to go have that face-to-face with them. You know, the, the Bible admonishes us not to allow that stuff to continue to fester on the inside of us. Like, have, have you ever been offended by anybody? Did I already ask that? Yeah. Well, I'm asking again because the first time you didn't participate good enough. <laughs> you know, we, we've, we've all been offended by somebody. Have you, have you ever had one of those times when you, when you, you held on to it and you, you were thinking about it and trying to figure out what you were going to do and it spanned on for a period of days or weeks? You know, it, it gets on the inside of you, and, and is it fruitful what happens? No, it, it's, like a, it's like a poison on the inside of there. All of a sudden, you're like, I'm not feeling very well. I don't, I don't know. Like, why am I grumbling and complaining all the time? Like, my whole, I wake up on the wrong side of the bed every day now, and in the back of my mind is this situation just going like, like a tape. Somebody, see, I'm old, sorry, like a MP3. Is that, is that better? Like rolling in the back of my head. It's just going on and on and on. It just eats you alive. And the Bible actually says that if this goes on long enough, it actually creates what's called a root of bitterness on the inside of you that spoils everything that you see and touch. It ruins your perceptions. It ruins your perspective on life. And it destroys relationships. It festers on the inside. This is why we have to deal with it immediately and directly. And when we go to four or five other counselors, instead of what the Bible actually admonishes or commands us rather to do, you know, we're actually, like, in the name of trying to be healthy and kind of flesh something out and get a right perspective, we're actually allowing it to fester on the inside. This is why, again, we're supposed to go directly to the individual. Hey, Melvin, when you, you said that thing the other day, and, and this is the other thing, we come in humility, you know, I'm, I'm sure this wasn't the intent, but I just wanted to, you know, sp- have you speak to this really quick. When you said I was short and fat and bald, that really hurt my heart. And he's like, no, I, I didn't say that. I said you were tall, dark, and handsome. I misunderstood, Melvin. I, I mean, I knew that that couldn't have possibly been true, your assessment of me. But uh, no, we, we, we go to them directly. We go to them quickly. And we come to them humbly. We come to them humbly. Remember last week, maybe a couple of weeks, how we talked about perceptions? Here's the thing. When you've been offended, it might be you that's the problem. And so when we're called by Matthew 18 to go and have a direct and quick conversation with someone who has offended us, you have to come humbly because you understand that your perception may not even be accurate. You know, I'm going to continue to pick on Melvin. Thank you for volunteering this morning. I really appreciate that. You know, Melvin says something that trips me, but, but my ears may have been broken in that moment. Have you ever heard something, found out later you didn't hear it right at all? You know? Half the time in my own house, I'm like, it's blue. And somebody said, you said it was green. I'm like, what? You said it was green. What are you even talking about? Our perceptions, they're often wrong, right? And so we have to come humbly, holding it loosely out in front of us kind of going, I don't know what was happening, but just wanted to, just wanted to flesh this out for a minute. I, I'm sure that I was wrong. I'm sure I saw things wrong. wanted to give you an opportunity to, to speak into that. How many of you know sometimes we speak a foreign language? Like my definitions and your definitions of the very same words may not even be, mean the same thing. You know, Misty, in the last several months, had, had an encounter with somebody, and she had, she had said this one particular word, and, and their, their interpretation of the word was not her interpretation of the word. Right? And how many of you know if you allow that to fester on the inside of you, 
it creates division and separation and, and, it, and ultimately leads to destruction. But if you immediately go and deal with it as this individual did, rightly so, following Matthew 18, right? You would find out, and as was the case here, oh, you were using that word, but you meant something different. That's not how I would use that word at all. Like, and I would say nine out of 10 cases, when you go and you actually have a good conversation quickly and directly, and you do so in humility, you find out it wasn't near as big a deal as you thought it was. But when you gather four or five of your friends and you talk to them, let me bounce this off of you. What's this word mean to you? And, you know, this thing's really bothering me. And Misty is, I just don't even know. I'm starting to see some things. And, you know, she may not be as for me as I felt like. And you're letting it fester. It's creating a problem in your world. And the enemy is looking for any opportunity to do what? To steal, to kill, and to destroy, right? Blessings on you of peace. Peace to the babies. We approach with humility. The other thing that we do is this. This is all part and parcel with humility. We, we don't come into a Matthew 18 meeting under the assumption that the person was evil-hearted towards you. Like, I have already made up my mind in the very beginning. You were so, I was there. I heard what you said. I know what those words mean. You know, and you're coming in assuming that they were evil, that they intended to hurt you. This was malicious and on purpose. No, part and parcel with humility is, uh, humility is us coming in going, I don't know what your heart intent was. That's why we're having a conversation about it. Like, I don't know what your motivation was for say. I don't know what your definitions were. I can't immediately come in with the intent or, or with the assumption that they have evil intent. And I can't also set a meeting like this with somebody simply to prove to them that they were wrong. <laughs> I'm just meeting together just to let you know that you are a real piece of work. Boy, you know, that you, you said this the other day and it hurt. And I know, see, you're, you're, you're coming into a meeting now and you're accusing, you're assuming that your perceptions are correct. You're assuming, you're presupposing that they were evil hearted in their intentions towards you. And you're presupposing that you're right and that they're wrong. You're coming in in the wrong heart. That's not what this is saying. We come in in humility. We come in a bit loosely. We come in, we submit it to them. We submit it softly, understanding that we may not have the right perspective, but we're going to give them an opportunity to speak into it. Now, I guess if they spit on you and punch, punch you in the eye, you got your answer. <laughs> but I would submit to you that's extraordinarily rare. In nine out of ten cases, we have these kinds of meetings. We nip the opportunity for the enemy to create a stronghold in our mind that develops a root of bitterness and we find out that we just simply didn't understand. Is this making sense so far? Let me add this. Our aim in meeting with the individual isn't also simply to air our grievance with them. I would suggest if you're meeting with someone and your whole entire aim is simply to air your grievance, that you're in the wrong. And you need to go back to the drawing board and flesh it out before the Lord and ask him to reveal your own heart to you. Our aim is always reconciliation. Our aim is always, where possible, it's always restoration. It's not for me to air my grievance. It's to give them an opportunity to speak into this context, to preserve relationship, and to allow us to get on the same page and united again. It's not just for me to complain. 
Galatians chapter 6, verse 1 says this, Brethren, if anyone is caught in a trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, each one looking to yourself so that you too will not be tempted. Bear one another's burdens and thereby fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone, now listen to this. I love, I love the Bible. I just love, I love the epistles. I love it. I love it. For if anyone thinks that he is something when he's nothing, he deceives himself. How many people love that the Bible is direct? Like just, it slaps you in the face. All the epistles, James and John, all, they are so hard-hitting. They're like, stop being an idiot and don't do that. That's really dumb. Do this. This is the God way. I'm like, I needed to hear that, Lord. Like, it's just so clear. If anyone thinks that he is something when he's nothing, he deceives himself. I want you to notice that it's talking about coming in gentleness. There are two things there. One, our aim is, it says, restore such a one. And the second thing is, restore such a one and gentleness. Now, this confirms everything that we were just talking about. You know, you, we're, not, we're not coming in with hate filled in our heart. We're not coming in with condemning judgments and accusations. We're not coming in to air our grievance. We're not doing any of those things. We're coming in alongside to have a good conversation and to flesh something out. We do it in gentleness. Our aim in the conversation is gentleness. And I kind of wrote this out. I want you to get a hold of this really clear today. The goal is restoration. The process is gentle. And the pathway is humility. Let's say that again. The goal is restoration. The process is gentle. And the pathway is humility. Now, I want you to see inherent in Galatians chapter 6 is the same concept that we've been talking about the last couple of weeks. It's just, in essence, it's saying, don't you even for a second come into this conversation with a judgmental heart against the person who has offended you. Don't you ever for a second even begin to think that that, that of yourself more highly than you are. Don't you think for even just a second that somehow you're better than they are. You need to look to yourself lest you be tempted to do the very same things. What's it saying? Judge not lest you be judged. Right? There it is, built right into the text. Judge not, lest you be judged. Come into this conversation with humility. Don't you even for a second think that you're somehow better than this person who offended you. But isn't that what happens with gossip? With gossip, we, you know, I picked on somebody for buying a lottery ticket. They didn't buy a lottery ticket, just so you know. I could care less, by the way. It's a stupid example. Now, you know, you know, <laughs> you know Corey, Corey buys a, a, a lotto ticket. And by the way, did you win when you? No, okay. But Corey buys a lot of tickets, and I, and I go over, I'm like, Miguel, hey, Corey bought a lot of tickets. Can you believe that? Like, I would, I would, you would, would you'd never buy a lot of ticket, right? Like, you'd never do that. He's like, I literally just bought one. Thanks for calling me out. No, like, you'd never do that. And I, I, I would never do that. But what am I doing? I'm positioning myself over Corey, who I've now judged as somehow inferior because he would do something that I wouldn't do. Right? We're positioning ourselves, we're thinking more highly of ourselves than we ought. We're positioning ourselves over someone else. This is what gossip does. We're admonished in the scripture not to do that. Now look at the next part of the scripture. It says that we are called to bear one another's burdens. It says, and ensuing, rather in doing so, you will fulfill the law of Christ. Well, what's the law of Christ? Uh, you guys are seeing like New Testament scholars. You're so good. It's to love one another, right? We are called in relationship. This is what we were talking about earlier. We're called to pour our lives out for others. Now, notice it doesn't say that we'll fulfill the law of Christ when we rebuke somebody for their sin. 
Sometimes I think we want to carry an axe around in the, in, in the church. We want to go, oh, Corey bought a lotto ticket. Here's the deal. No longer fit for ministry. Whack! How do you like that? And we walk away and we're like, we fulfilled the law of Christ. We just rebuke somebody. It says not that we fulfill the law of Christ in our rebuke, but through our carrying of the burden. What's this saying? It's saying if you want to go to somebody else who has sinned against you or trespassed, somebody you're in relationship with, you better be prepared to walk out relationship with them and to bear some of the responsibility in seeing them come to the point of restoration. It's not about rebuking them. It's about restoring them. Keep that in mind in every human interaction. It's not about rebuking. It's about restoring. Well, what does that look like in a regular relationship? Well, in, in my friendship, maybe bearing burdens looks like setting boundaries. You know, I think this is one of those things that we can't say enough. You know, maybe you, you've had your Matthew 18 meeting, you've, you've come humbly, and you guys have both fleshed something out, and you've expressed what you need in relationship. They've expressed back to you what they need in relationship because there's always give and take. Like now you're both on the same page, and we have boundaries around that. The boundary are like, this is how I expect our interactions to be. And, and as we continue to walk out our relationship together, by the way, your relationship's not the first thing you jettison. The relationship's what you're going after to protect. You're going after their heart. You're going after connection with them. And as you're walking in connection with them, if they walk across the boundary that you've previously set, this is part of bearing the burdens. We're back to the table. Hey, by the way, remember when we talked about that? Yeah, this is that. Now, I personally, I always find it way easier once the conversation's been made, once you've already had the conversation, it's so much easier to have the conversation again, right? Like if, if, if I set a, a rule like no coffee in the sanctuary, right? Like I could hold that as a value or something in my heart, but if I've not expressed it, sometimes you're like, I don't want to have to tell Greg that we made a rule that there's no coffee in the sanctuary. By the way, you can have coffee in the sanctuary, just stop spilling it. <laughs> Right, yeah, this primary offender right here, front row. You know, you know but, but it's like, but once it's been spelled out, hey, the rule here, by the way, is no coffee in the sanctuary. Again, that's not a rule, making something up. You know, then, then when I catch you with a, a cup of coffee, it's an easy conversation after that because we've already, it's already out, right? There's already an expectation cast. I, I love that because clear communication, clear communication, clear boundaries sets us up for successful conversations, Right? And so this is part of what bearing each other's burdens looks like within the context of a brother who's offended you. You're walking alongside one another. You're setting parameters. You're doing life together. Now, as we broaden that to general sin, and obviously there's some overlap here, what does it look like to bear someone's burden with them? I would submit to you, it looks like praying for them. So now if you want to go confront somebody who you see in sin, you have a responsibility to actually line out time on your calendar to call them out by name before the throne of grace and invite Holy Spirit to do his magical work, powerful work, transformative work. And I want you to all get all Harry Potter on me. <laughs> I have to carve out time on my calendar to, to go after this with them. Like, like this, this has become my burden. This has become something that I'm putting energy towards. I, you know, and and there's, there's pain in bearing somebody's burden because I'm walking alongside with, with Corey and he, he steps over the line. And, and, and I, let me, before I get there, there, there's even the sense in which I, I'm bearing their burden by giving accountability. Like, so now that we've fleshed it out, like every couple of days I'm calling and being like, hey, how you doing? How you doing with this issue? 
Right? There's an expected vulnerability, an expected honesty in exchange for relationship. This thing's already been fleshed out. Now, now you're going to bear the burden. I'm praying for you. I'm coming alongside. I'm helping to ask questions to make you accountable. And there's pain in that. You understand? There's pain in human relationships because people are going to make a mistake around you. They're going to cross over the line. And with that, you're like, oh, God, I've got this burden because I'm bearing it with them. The spirit of intercession comes on you if we're doing it right. God, would you invade their life? Your grace is sufficient for them. We're asking you'd put a stay on the hand of the enemy over their life, that you would protect them from the lies that they're believing, that they can't beat this thing. You're going to intercede. You're going to spend time bearing the burden and going after them. Here's the other thing that it means. It's going to take time. If I'm called to bear someone's burden with them, it's not like I'm not deadlifting. And now deadlifting, I don't know. I'm not a CrossFitter. What is that? What's that? Oh. Whatever it is, the stuff. <laughs> the stuff you do when you don't want to be fat anymore. <laughs> it's, not a, it's not a one and done. It's something that bearing their burdens is walking with them in relationship, praying with them, helping to protect them, you know, asking good questions in their life. How are you doing with that, Melvin? How can I help you? How can I better pray with you? And sometimes that's a process, but you've got to be willing to enter into that process with people because it's only in bearing their burdens that we actually fulfill the law of Christ, which is to love really well. This is what love looks like. This is what we've signed up for when we said yes to Christ. We don't get the opportunity just to be disconnected from other people. Self-righteous, thinking more highly of ourselves than we ought. We're commanded by Scripture to love by coming alongside, connecting our heart and making their burden our burden until they get to the other side of victory. Does this make sense? Our goal is restoration, our process is gentle, and our pathway is humility. After all of that, <laughs> if you're still at odds, we move on to verse 16. But if he does not listen to you, take it to two or more, take two or more with you, but by the mouth of two or three witnesses, every fact may be confirmed. Again, I want to remind you, this is not step one. It's step two. We want to bypass step one because we don't want to have a good conversation because we're afraid of the conflict word. But that's where most of your victory is going to be won. This is step two. And, and, and let me just submit to you that there's nowhere in the entire process where you're released now to gossip. It's like, thank you, Jesus. We got through step number one. Now listen up, everybody. I need three or four people who I can gossip to about how bad Melvin hurt me because I want you to get on this bandwagon with me and validate my concerns for his Christianity because the scripture tells me I can do that now. <sighs> <laughs> no. 
Look, you're, you're, you're not getting two or three of your buddies you know, to band together with you so that you could convince them that this guy was wrong and then you form a hit squad, you know, your little posse where you go and the whole aim of step number two is that you're now going to attack him, just not yourself, but now with a group of your friends. That's, that's not at all what Matthew 18 is prescribing. We're talking about individuals of authority, individuals of note in the offender's life. Because the truth is, if I gather together a couple of my buddies to go, like, hey, Dylan, we got a couple of my guys. You've been in the wrong. He's immediately going to move on to the defensive and be like, what is this ambush? Like, he has no respect for my friends. So I actually need to find somebody who he does have respect for. And I'm not just calling them to win them over to my side so that we could go in and tell him that he's done something wrong. Remember, that's not our aim here. I'm inviting in wise counsel now to investigate, to speak into this situation. And we're doing it in humility because, listen, you still may, you still may not be seeing it very clearly. Just because you had your one-on-one, your first step, where you had your, your confrontation or your flesh-it-out meeting and it didn't work out really well, doesn't mean that you're not still the issue. Keep that in mind. You may actually still be the problem you don't know yet. All we know is that we've moved on to stage two. Now we're inviting wise counsel to come in to speak into the whole deal. And if I'm wrong, I have to humbly swallow that one and repent on my side. We have to be willing to hear what they're saying. Like, I'm seeing this. I'm bringing in wise counsel. We're seeing, "Mm, boy, you're a part of the equation. I've got to be willing to receive that in that moment. And I've got to be willing to repent myself. This isn't just the band of brothers that we're inviting in to go on the attack. These are wise counselors that we're inviting in to help us actually discover truth. And I'm inviting them in in humility because part of that truth might be that it's me, that I'm contributing to this failure. This making sense? Like, too much sense. Now, for most situations, this would be the end of it, I think, at least in our culture. For most situations, you, you got offended, you had the one-on-one, it didn't work out. Now you've brought in some wise counsel. You've allowed them. By the way, you're not telling everybody. You told your two or three or your three or four, and that's it. After that, you shut your mouth. It doesn't say, oh, now you have liberty to go tell everybody. Go tell all your friends how much Dylan has hurt you. That's not what it says. And I would submit to you that, that if, if these folks who you're talking to aren't coming to the table to actually help you further resolve it, if they're not willing to meet with you and your offender to be a wise counsel to actually come to an adequate resolution, then you shouldn't be opening your mouth to talk to them at all. They shouldn't be a part of it at all. It's inappropriate. It's gossip. It's sin. Like step number one, we, we go to the person directly. Step number two, we've invited wise counsel. Most situations are, are handled right there. The truth is, if you haven't come to a satisfactory resolution at that point, you're, you're probably creating boundaries on your life because you've just discovered this person's not going to be safe. I don't really need to go any further. I'm just not going to be in that level of intimacy and relationship with you any longer. You know, and, and, and when you want to come to a place of repentance... I would welcome reconnection with you. But until such a time as that, you're going to be as a Gentile or a tax gatherer to me. 
Now, sometimes people read that stuff, they're like, let him go to hell. Like, that's not what the scriptures actually say. Like, you know, no, they're just no longer safe for you in your heart. And they've not been willing to come to repentance. And you're, at this point, the counselors that you brought in have, have been witness to the process and to your integrity in the process and witness to the crime that was perpetrated against you, to the offense. And they're witness to this reality that this person is, is, is not moving on to repentance. It escalate, escalates it out of a he said, she said situation. But in some cases, depending on what's going on, you can move it on to verse 17. And, and this is like appealing to a higher court. It says, it says and, if, and if they don't heed the wise counsel, then, then tell it to the church. Listen, there's no part of this process that gives us a license to sin and gossip. Not me and not you. So when it says, go and tell it to the church, like, is it suggesting that like on a Sunday morning when we get to this process, I should stand in the pulpit and be like, hey, I've been dealing with Greg on the side, and he's a pain in the butt, he's not going to repent, he's still working his own sin. I want to let everybody know here that Greg sucks. Do we all got it? We all got it right? Greg, good. Yeah, I know that you haven't been a part of the equation, I know that you don't know what's going on, I know that that just stirred up a whole lot of questions for you that are left unanswered, just want you to know, Greg sucks. No, that's just more gossip. I don't think even for a second that's what it's intending. Are there certain select individual cases whereby we would stand in the pulpit and say, unfortunately, after a season of, of going through this, here's where we are. This individual's in sin and it's not working out. Yeah, there are certain cases. I think it largely has to deal with a leadership structure and what's, what kind of structure you've got. If you're a small group church and 10 people is what you get max on a Sunday morning, maybe you tell everybody. In this environment, I don't think so. And part of the reason that I believe that is because the Jewish synagogue of the day in which this was written actually had a council of men who would look at cases like this between individuals who had an offense or where there was a sin. They would take these cases, they would, they would weigh the merit of the arguments, and they would render a decision based on what they were hearing. There was an actual group of individuals specific who would do that. So what I think we're reading is the escalation, it's like, like people in their life didn't receive what was being said. So let's take it to the next level. It's like the, the lower court did not give you the verdict that made any sense. So let's take it to the higher court. Let's get, let's, let's get other people, i.e. The, the senior leaders of the church, involved to render an official ruling on this situation, right? I don't think most cases, cases need to escalate that far. In some cases, they do. And in some cases, we would stand up and say something. But in most cases, you don't need to be involved. Can I just submit to you that you don't need to render your opinion on those things that don't involve you? You don't need to render a judgment and if I'm working with Dylan on the side and it has nothing to do with you, stay out of it. Don't go poking around asking other people, what's going on, what's going on with Dylan? By the way, nothing's going on with Dylan. He's amazing. He's hunky and handsome. <laughs> what could be wrong when you look like that? Yeah. That's a joke. Everybody else is like, I don't look like that. Nobody looks like that. You got to see what that guy does. <laughs> 
You, you don't need to render your opinion on, on something that's happening that doesn't involve you. How often has something been going on and, and we want to we hear the, the, like, I want to hear the juicy details of it so that I too can render an opinion. So that I too can stand in kind of and render my judgment on this. I, I, you, we, we don't want that. Like, that's gossip. You don't need to be involved. If it doesn't involve you, then stay out of it. If you're not able to actually help the situation and bring it to resolution and you're not wearing, willing to bear the burden to, to do so in, gent, in gentleness and humility as a part of a process of restoration, stay out of it entirely. You don't need to have an opinion about everything that's going on. You don't need to second guess the decision of your leader or whatever is happening, your parent or whatever is going on, whatever is happening in your sphere. You don't have to second guess it so that you can make sure they made the decision that you want to make. That's just gossip. That's all it is. It's veiled gossip and deep mistrust. <laughs> so what in the world do you do then? Oh, let me add this. Are you aware that that the Bible seems to put as much emphasis on the hearer of gossip as it does the one who's actually spreading it. So many of us inadvertently, because we were unwilling to say something or, or have a, a conflict, we've actually been commensurate. We've, we've partnered with gossip and been part of the, the slander in a congregation. This is the context, so it's easy for me to use that as an example. This is what it says in Proverbs chapter 17, verse Four. This is the NIV version. It says, wrongdoers eagerly listen, eagerly listen to gossip. Liars pay attention to slander. It's interesting. Uh, NASB, pardon me, says this. Evildoers listen to wicked lips. I'll take either translation. I think it's good. But notice it says you're an evildoer. Like, no, I'm not the one who is gossiping. If you have lent your ear for gossip, then you're the one who's gossiping. If you're not nippy, like if you're, if you're not a part of the solution, then you're a part of the problem. <laughs> so what do you do then? <laughs> what do we do when we hear this stuff, when it comes up? How do we deal with it? I think you ask a couple of good questions. <laughs> Number one, why are you sharing this information with me? Now, the person may not even know they're gossiping. They may not even have a grid for it. They, didn't, they have no idea, but that'll set them back right there. Why are you sharing this information? Oh, I don't know. I haven't really thought about that. And the second one is this, and maybe you want this to be your first one. Have you had a direct conversation with that person? No? Then that's what you need to do. And that's the end of this conversation. Because if you haven't had a direct conversation with them, then you can't move on to wise counsel. Because to avoid or circumvent this process would be to step straight into gossip. Question number one, why, why are you sharing this with me? Question number two, have you gone to the person directly? Does this make sense? What have we learned? We've learned if we're offended, we do what? Don't worry, everybody, I'll have a meeting with him afterwards. <laughs> I need two or three counselors to help me. <laughs> yeah, we go directly to the person. We don't pass go. We don't get four or five others. We go straight to the person as quickly as possible, and we address it. We address it with humility and gentleness with the aim to restore and to reconcile. 
and to nip this thing that otherwise would fester and create a root of bitterness in your heart, right? That's the first thing we learn. Number two, processing your issue with an unrelated third party who knows your offender is gossip. Well, I just, I, I just, I want to make sure that, you know, I'm seeing the situation right. Can you just talk me through this a little bit? Have you gone to them directly? You haven't. Then this is gossip. See, the moment that you hear something about someone else, it can't be taken back. It plants a seed in your heart. You can't unhear it. And however small, it will manifest in some way in your heart, in your eyes. It will taint you. Because the enemy wants nothing more than to steal, kill, and destroy. He wants to plant these seeds in your heart to bring division in the body. Right? Number three, wise counsel is only after you've gone directly and it has failed. Now we get wise counsel involved. And number four, don't become a sounding board for people. Don't become a sounding board for people. Point them right directly back to their offender to deal with it. But hey, listen to this. I want to up the ante on you. Now in the name of bearing one another's burdens, you have a responsibility to follow up and see that they've done it. Have you talked with them directly about it? No, you have not. In two days, I'm going to give you a call. We'll talk about this again. And in two days, if they haven't done something about it, maybe they get to the end of the week, but then I am getting some counselors, except it's not about your situation. It's about why you're apprehensive to do things right. <laughs> now you get the opportunity to bear the burden with the one who tried to rope you in. Don't you love Christianity? You thought you could come in and just sit back and watch other people do it, and it turns out Jesus had a different plan. It involved all of us making a sacrifice, making an investment, and sowing with love into the lives of the people who he's partnered with us. So look around. There they are. <laughs> Those are the people he's partnered you with. Now you know. Let's nip gossip and all of that stuff completely in the bud. Can we do that? Yeah, Father, we, we invite you. Like some of this stuff, it's, tr it's just it's tricky. And some of the ways of the world seems wise, and yet we find it's destructive when it gets right down to it. We're asking that you would release Holy Spirit to, to be the guard over our heart and our minds and our tongues. You said that he has the power to be the rudder of our tongues. We're inviting you. Come, Holy Spirit, be the rudder over our tongues. Bring conviction over us when we're inappropriately talking about offense or other things with people who are not a part of the solution. Help us with this, Jesus. Help us to do what is right to protect your bride in this thing that you're doing. And help us to do what's right so that no root of bitterness festers on the inside of us, but that we can walk in this environment with short accounts and clean hearts. That's what we're asking for. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. If you would like to contact us or would like more information about our church or additional podcasts or resources, please visit us online at harvestwarrensburg.com. We hope to see you soon.